Hello, welcome to the business community. I'm Tracy Jones. And I'm Heather Noble. Thank you for joining us this week. Uh, we're looking at um, a subject that came to my, well, I came onto my Facebook feed, I think, well, as most things do, um, about one of the best Dragon's Den pitches ever. And I was instantly intrigued by that. So I went along and had a look. And it, it was a very recent Dragon's Den. It was only from um, the 22nd of April this year. Oh, wow. Um, and it was from a guy called Sam Jones, I think his name is. And he was pitching something called Generate. Generate and then the number eight. Uh, did you see it? or? No, I haven't seen Dragon's Den for years. So um, it, it would have completely passed me by. And I've not even heard of Generate either. Um Pretty interested once you put me onto it. It's like, okay, it seems like it's one of those ideas where you think, actually, that's a really obvious good idea. Are they usually the best yeah, ones? Yeah. It's like, why didn't I think of that? But okay, so, so the, the premise is that, um, and we all know that data is being captured all the time, you know, the famous cookies that have been on computers forever, and now. Once upon a time, we used to reject cookies all the time, didn't we? And do you remember when we used to go and delete them from our laptops? <laughs> Clean up the laptop, yeah. Yeah, get rid of the cookies. And then we started to love cookies because it meant that we didn't have to remember our passwords because we could just automatically log into Facebook again without needing to remember everything. And we sort of forgot that they're, they're actually trailing us and following us around. And what this guy's come up with is he's... He, he believes that all of the data about us on the internet should be that we should have some control over. And so essentially, he's talking about um, stopping this third party tracking so that we can take ownership over our data and then use it to earn money for ourselves, which is completely on the other. It's the boot on the other foot, isn't it? Because yeah. normally people are making money out of our data, aren't they? Yeah. And and. Um unbeknownst to us really it's only quite recently um with with the subject we're going to talk about after this that we've become aware quite how much our data is being tracked but the people that made money out of this previously were the data companies that were doing this magic thing with all of our data and really we didn't care but i think people are starting to take notice now and starting to be a bit more bothered about where all this data is going and how it's being used the, the, what he says is that um, so basically the majority of websites that we go to they allow other companies potentially companies that we've never even heard of to place trackers on us like cookies on us and then those follow us around the internet so they build up a profile of where we go where we hang out and this is one of the reasons why you know um, if you uh, you have a conversation with somebody about, you know, Portugal, and the next thing you know, there's villas in Portugal popping up on your Facebook, or you go to a website, and then it's like, oh, I've already seen that, or yeah, they, they notoriously pop up on Facebook, don't they? After yeah. you've been, you've Googled for something, and I am convinced it's after you've had a conversation completely offline. Somehow yeah. they still seem to to know to get you. <laughs> they read yes. your mind these days. Yeah, but. Yeah, and, and that is where all that data's been held and there's an awful lot of money being made out of it. Yeah, yeah. And and whilst they're, you know, it's useful, what what this guy's saying is that by downloading um, an, an app, or a browser effectively, you can block those third-party agencies 
and you can actually choose who you allow to track you. And then from that, you can get paid in sort of Amazon vouchers or, or you can make donations to charity. It's almost like they've got their own currency because when you go on their website, um, Generate Ads, it's called, um, they've got this sort of, um, you know, five, uh, well, it doesn't say five pound Amazon voucher. It's like it's like an eight with a line through it, similar to a dollar sign. And then it will say like six. And it, it's almost like a, a currency of its own. Right. So you're you're. But not a cryptocurrency, you know. <laughs> yeah. it, it, it's it's really really clever, like reward points. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah, exactly like that reward points. But you can choose who does and who doesn't see your data, and that's done through using a browser rather than just going straight into the. And as a company who wants to target the right people, presumably, you can then buy the services of this company to try and place your ads more appropriately. Yeah, well, of course, yeah, I mean, I think there's, I think the generate ads bit, so I guess the way where they're making money is that they are channeling people, and I don't know how they're doing this, by the way, to look, to approve that, yes, I'll look at the adverts from Marks and Spencers, for example, but I don't want to look at the adverts from John Lewis or whatever it might be. Um, so there's some obviously there's some really clever software, and you can see the value, can't you, for the company that's placing that ad, that to know that that person is actually not dead against them. Yeah, they're open to seeing an ad from them. So obviously there's some intrinsic value in that. I, I can see the benefit. Well, it's almost a kind of why wouldn't you? Because it's it's that classic, you know, what you're going to do? You're going to send out five thousand leaflets. Um, and hope that some of them stick or are you going to qualify and, and research the sort of people that might buy your services and then target them more specifically so yeah I did have a look at the website when you put me onto it Heather yeah. and the first thing I did was scare myself oh I... because I went on to um, one of their services which is called Sentinel okay have you seen it I saw that it, it I didn't you didn't do it no. oh Um, okay so you put your email address in so I put two of my personal email addresses in here to see if your data has been breached so it searches for your email address in public data breaches since 2007 oh gosh and one of my email addresses has been appeared in four known data breaches and it even says which ones so Wattpad, Canva, MyFitnessPal and online a spam bot and it gives you a bit more detail about it oh my gosh and then I went on to another one of my personal email addresses not so bad but still three known data breaches with with this other email address so it's really um it scared me it made me think maybe I need to just have a look into some of the security and get rid of I haven't used Canva for quite a while now so Know, get rid of the account, change passwords with other yeah. things. So I wonder whether, you know, some of the real big data breaches, you know, like with banks and people like that. So if you say you were a, a Barclays customer and Barclays had had a data breach, do you think that this Sentinel would be flagging up that as well? I think it will will um, flag up any known data breaches. Ah. So it says public data breaches. Yeah, okay. yeah. So if, if they haven't... Um, put it out there that they've had a, a breach, then you would never know. But given that the the law has tightened up in this area, then you would hope that 
most of them are public. So yeah, I would imagine they'd show up on there. Interestingly enough, um, I also have uh, LastPass to manage my yes. passwords and my password has been flagged. What, your LastPass password? No, oh. one of the passwords that I keep in LastPass. Oh, has been flagged. I fla- it was flagged and it said change your password because right. an account associated with that password has been breached. So, wow. That, that's scary. Now, of course, this was on the Dragon's Den on the 28th of last month. And it's clearly got legs because the dragons were practically falling over each other <laughs> to invest. <laughs> Um, the, uh, Sam was asking for £60,000 of investment for a 10% stake in the business. And there were various people who were um, who wanted to invest. And in the end, we ended up with Peter Jones and Tuka Suleiman, I think it was. And they, they both, they shared the investment effectively. Um, but, but the guy, Sam turned down two other dragons and went... Well, in fact, he said, would you two consider, because I want some of the Peter Jones stuff and I want some of the Suleiman stuff. Um, what a great position to be yeah. in. Yeah, and I to. think that's what... And it was delivered brilliantly. I mean, as presentations go, it was fantastic. Um, and, he, you know, he, he's now lobbying for the government to to put data back in the hands of of you know Joe Public and to invest in that um so yeah it's a massive massive subject well I did a bit of reading around it so I didn't see the Dragon's Den or, or haven't even read anything about the pitch but I, I read an article in um Forbes and uh, this is from a couple of years ago actually this one um, and it's talking to Sam before obviously before the Dragon's Den investment and already then it had captured people's imagination but um, I'm hoping that the investment actually deals with some of the stuff when you're reading some of the reviews there's a few complaints about how they handle um, queries and how they handle the point system but presumably with good solid investment behind it they can yeah, that's going to be about out. infrastructure isn't yeah. it and just having enough resource but i learned in this forbes article that sam used to be the global brand manager for red bull mm. so he's got a good track record <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting that he, he's gone into this and the the article um so there's spells out three advantages which i thought was really quite useful it simple um simplified it for me yeah, yeah it said advertisers avoid blocking and target more effectively as we said so the targeting's better but they they're not getting blocked yeah um that the consumers avoid ads they don't want to see and then see the ones that they do want to see and that people get paid for viewing ads so pretty much what it says on the website Interestingly enough, they said there were two roadblocks. One was, does privacy really matter that much to people? Mm. And that the media outlets get cut out of the profits because typically that sort of advertising is done through media outlets. And other articles that I found were um, essentially media outlets quite concerned about this development because it was bypassing their platforms. The privacy thing's an interesting one, isn't it? Because, um, well, I don't know about you, but, you know, you get all these pop-ups and you're just like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And I think, you know, we're programmed now to do that. Yeah, yeah, whatever. I think people who are really worried about privacy are really worried about privacy. And then there are those who, 
it's difficult to be worried about privacy when you are posting a photograph of you, you know, 50 times a day doing, you know, and checking in here and checking in there. And so I suppose it, the privacy thing is about what data do we hold private or yeah. want to hold private? And I think it's different for different and, people. And also, what data have they got that you don't know about that mm. you might consider private? Yes. Well, yeah, because you can never, you can't ask that question, can you? What don't you know about me? Yeah. Cause... You know, because if you are posting on social media what you had for your breakfast, lunch, and dinner, that's fine. You might be quite happy to share where, where you're eating and yeah. what you thought of it. But other things that you're doing and, and the other activities, you might just want kept personal but people potentially don't think that deeply yeah. about it maybe maybe it's an awareness thing and it at the risk of sounding like a dinosaur i think it might be a generational thing hmm. because, because as, I, as i said before you know cookies they're just part and parcel of life now you, you know you just yeah i go there it's really helpful that you know if you're looking for somewhere to get a pizza in in Shrewsbury. It you knows know, you're in Shrewsbury. It knows you're in Shrewsbury and it says, you know, your nearest one. In fact, oh gosh, I had the weirdest thing happen the other day. I was, um, I was, I'd taken a call, I'd stopped the car in a lay-by, I'd taken a call and I was just on my phone and I think it was from Facebook, it flashed up and said, these people in your contacts are nearby. Oh. And then they said where, like where I was and then it told me these two people who were nearby. Oh, and it completely blew my mind. And should they have been nearby? That's the well, worry. I don't know, but they weren't with me. Um, but it was like, oh my gosh, I was near quite a big um, roundabout, yeah, and, and they were in that vicinity. And it was like, why? Well, that's too much information. It's really scary. Cause what, what are you going to do with that? You can next time you see somebody go, oh hi John, I hear that you were near so and so so and so last Thursday oh, afternoon. Or you could sound really creepy, couldn't you? And you could just sit there and go, hi John. I notice you're in the area. Would you like a coffee? <laughs> yeah, no, no, that, no, that's that's ste- not good. Stepping over the yeah. oh yeah, no, yeah. that's awkward. Don't do that with me. No, no, I won't. Well, I'll just phone you. And just said you're you a coffee. coffee. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I just so happen to know. <laughs> and I say, oh no, Heather, I'm busy. I'm I'm at work. No, you're not. You're yeah, Costa Coffee. <laughs> you are literally round the corner. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a, that's the issue, isn't it? You can't get away from. Um, being found out <laughs> absolutely and our review this week really builds on that and this is something that has completely blown my mind so heather you've just made me laugh there because you've just pulled out a sheaf of handwritten notes i mean what's going on have you got so paranoid about <laughs> the data that's being held online about you that you've taken to handwriting stuff now what what's happening well the review this week is a film don't think we reviewed a fit. Well, it's like a documentary. Film. We, we um, what, what reviewed we the creative brain last time. Do you remember? Oh, uh, yeah. yes. Oh, yes, we did. Well, this is The Great Hustle. Which no, is... it's not. It's The Great Hack. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've. You well, loved I've... it so much. <laughs> I hope you watched the right film. Did you watch The Great Hack? I watched The Great yeah, Hack. Excellent. I did. Good. I did. Yeah, that's the only bit I typed. <laughs> It's a great hustle. That's another <laughs> film, actually, I'd quite like to see. <laughs> the Great Hack. Yes. And the, and the reason I've got all of these notes is that I was at home, I was watching the film, and I was like, oh, my goodness, I need to write these things down. I didn't have my laptop to hand, so I've just made 
all of these notes. And I, I was watching it on my own because I don't think my husband would have appreciated it if, if I was sat watching a film and just scribbling notes all the time. But it blew my mind. I'm surprised your husband hasn't watched this already. Turns out he has. Oh, That's why he didn't want to watch it with me. Okay. Apart from the fact I'm really annoying. But um, yeah, <laughs> I felt really grown up. I was watching a film on my own. And, and I understood it all. Yes. But yes. well, so. it's a very clear, uh, well-explained, uh, very accessible film, isn't it? Yeah. Even though it's about some quite complicated tech. Then I think it's very good. It's from um, Netflix. It's a Netflix film, and it was made in 2019. I watched it last year, and I had to remind myself of it. And I remember at the time thinking, everybody I know needs to see this film. I'm going to make everybody I know see the film. I didn't get very far with that because I've only just got round to getting you to see it. <laughs> and I didn't even suggest reviewing this thing, did I? So yeah, yeah. The, the effort wasn't really put in on my part. But I think if we mention the two words Cambridge Analytica, a lot of our listeners will have heard of that sorry story. And the great hack is very much centred around Cambridge Analytica and the dark side of social media, it has to be said. Yeah. So tell tell me what impacted you most about this because you're sat there now shaking your head. You look like you're about to cry. I, I it was oh, I, I I don't even know where to begin. Um, as we've just been talking about, we know about cookies. We know about you know pop up ads. We know all about about all of those types of things. But where this really blew my mind, the people involved. So so predominantly, um, there's a guy called David Carroll who put in. A request for um, for all of the data that Facebook hold, uh, that Cambridge Analytica, no, that Facebook hold, no, Cambridge Analytica hold. I'm sorry <laughs> okay. um, about him because he'd identified that almost as a minimum, um, they will hold about five thousand data points for each of us. Okay, so it was a subject access request, wasn't it? Yep. Yeah, technical right. term. Yeah, yeah. There we go. Thank you for that. So, um, so that there was him and the fact that. He, you know, why is that an unreasonable request? Then there are the people who worked, firstly, a guy who was involved in the setting up of the infrastructure for Cambridge, Cambridge Analytica. Then there was a young lady who worked for Cambridge Analytica and the work that she was doing and then the information that she was sharing um, as part of the documentary. Then there's the guy who owned Cambridge Analytica and him as an individual, and when he appeared in front of the select committee in the Houses of uh, Commons. Uh, and then um, a guy who was the former um, COO and CFO, I think. So we've got these people from the inside of this business talking about what had gone on. And I... Every, I was just... I think it blew your mind, didn't it, it Heather? Yeah, I just can't. <laughs> Take any words away. I know. Can I give an honourable mention to the journalist, um, Carol Cadwallader? Yeah. She, she was oh, really um, in, investigated this and she, she's brought it to the attention in the UK very much so. Yeah. And I also have to give an honourable mention to a former guest of this show. Did you spot him? The former MP for Wrexham, Ian Lucas was there in, in that the select, select committee. committee. Was he? He asked a question, yes. I hadn't made that connection. I think I was so blown away with whoever they were questioning because, uh, anyway, it was just amazing. Yeah, I think he was involved in questioning Brittany Kaiser, so the right. one of the women that used to work for Cambridge right. Analytica. Right, um, And her story alone is a fascinating one. 
and, and and it was all very cloak and dagger. I mean, um, they they went to meet with her, and it just said somewhere in Thailand. Yeah. And and, and at the end of the program, I mean, basically, you know, she has got a number on her head. You know, she's really exposed and vulnerable at the moment. Well, I, I was really. I, I was a little bit concerned about that, I've got to say, because she was having this conversation with her mum as she was going into one of the interviews. And her mum was having, you know, this... She was really supportive of her. She, she thought she was, you know, doing uh, the right thing by exposing all of this. But she was actually concerned for her life. Yes. Yeah. You know, she and she, I she think, could see the threat that was that was hanging over her. And, and I think when we start to look at the sort of numbers that are involved, I mean... You know, we we talked a while ago about time and, you know, billions and trillions and millions. So this is a trillion dollar yeah. per year. Per year. Per year business. This data is, we've talked about big data. My goodness, the word big just doesn't do it justice. Yeah. It's phenomenal. And of course, the work that Cambridge Analytica did um, was was almost, um, the initial work that they were doing was almost um, a feeder for when they then became involved in the Trump-Clinton. Um, yeah, um, for, but the way I read it was that they'd done a lot of warm-up work before yeah. in lots of other countries. I mean, the, the Trinidad and Tobago story was was horrific. Um, and they were proud, you know, the, the way they were talking about this. Some of it was undercover, but some of it was quite open. Mm. You know, they were, they'd been talking about what they'd done to achieve this this win for a particular um, party in Trinidad and Tobago and how they'd sort of manipulated the mindset of the younger people, the, the young black people, wasn't yeah, it, in Trinidad yeah. and Tobago, yeah. to encourage them not to vote by following this orchestrated campaign that had been started by them to encourage them to protest by not voting. Yeah. And the results being, yeah, the result being that they didn't vote, and so the party that were um, Cambridge Analytica or, or the the other company that um, CESL or something something like that SCL SCL that's it um, that that they were um, working for that party won because they effectively managed to get all the other um, the, the the young black people to not vote because they would join this protest group mm -hmm. and it was. If they could do that, then you know they can do anything. And it was, it was basically about behavioural change. That's what they're proud of. What they could achieve by manipulating this data, um, with targeted advertising, is they could change behaviours to the to the effect that you can change governments. Yeah. And that's exactly what you were leading yeah. on to with yeah. the the yeah. Trump election. Yeah. And and that in itself, you know, they went the information that they went into there was just phenomenal. Um, and I think the the statistic, and I'm not, oh, this might be, there we go. During the Trump-Clinton campaign, Trump's side put out 5.9 million social media posts, right, 5.9 million. Hillary Clinton's, 66,000. Wow. So when you look at that data, it's no wonder that this second time around, Mr. Trump could not believe that he hadn't won because if they were employing similar tactics, it would kind of be like, well, how has this not worked? Because it worked last time. So it's it's not even about what the people want. It's what the people have been persuaded 
yeah. into and that's where I think it gets really really scary yeah and some of the imagery they used um around Hillary Clinton and they were you know again they were quite proud of the fact that they'd used these uh, images with handcuffs and they'd started this locker up and all, all of mm. that sort of stuff about the emails they were so deeply involved in all mm. of that it, it's mind-blowing and scary at the same very, time very yeah. very and they were using the word crooked, weren't they? And they had sort of had her in a bit like Elton John glasses, you know, with the her eyes with the two the O's. Two O's yeah. you know, and and then using hashtags and then just reinforcing these words all the time and putting out, you know, ticker feeds here and ticker feeds there. It's almost that sort but of directed, so directed at the right people. Yeah. 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 And Amazing. and one of the words that um that Brittany used, not words, one of the phrases she used was weapons grade. Yes. She was talking about yeah. the use of this data as being a military grade manipulation tactic, yeah. a psyops, I think we heard it referred to. Yeah. Um, and in fact, I think I, I'd understood, if I if you remind me on, Heather, because this is now last year that I'm re- pulling this distant memory right. from, is that that sort of level of data manipulation and data targeting actually isn't allowed in the UK? We, I, I don't know if it's not allowed. It might be that it's not allowed now. I'm not sure. I'm not sure where they stand on the legalities. But, but it is basically, um, uh, somebody described it as a full-service propaganda machine. Yeah. And we, in this country, we think of propaganda as always being a negative, don't we? Yeah. You don't think of positive propaganda, do you? No, because if something's positive, hopefully... (laughs) It it, doesn't need it. It doesn't need it. Can I I pick up on one positive thing that I saw? Yes, please do. Um, So you mentioned Carol Cadwallader, who's um, the journalist who spent years and years and years um, working on this and researching this. And um, there was one point in the programme where um, they were talking about um, a Channel 4 undercover documentary um, that had been made um, where um, the owner of Cambridge Analytica was bragging about the work they'd been doing. Alexander um, Nix. Let's give him a name check. Yes, there we go. Um, In, you know, for government agencies and armies, etc., etc. Anyway, around that time, um, there was a a meeting held and they went into a meeting room and in the meeting room were four high-ranking female journalists who were talking about you know, what what was going on, what was going to go on, what information was going to be put out there, what was happening in the, um, when um, they were being questioned. Uh, And I just thought it was fantastic to see that there were no men in that room. It was four senior female journalists from different agencies, all um, high ranking, as I say, and being able to just work doing their best work uh, as women. And it just, I just thought, crikey, in all of this documentary, all the big the big shots have been Guy, apart from yeah. um, Brittany. Um, and I just, I just thought it was a really positive thing hmm. that, you know, their, their, their voice was being heard and their work was coming to fruition to the point where um, Carol Cadwallader did a, a TED talk about this to the likes of um, the big data guys in California, I think it was, 
um, where she was challenging them as part of her talk as to, you know, what are you doing with this data? What, you know, what's the way forward? Oh, it just, oh, I love it. So like me now, do you feel that you want to make everybody, you know, watch it? I do, but do you know what I also want to do? I want to just find out more about it. I want to watch the Channel 4 documentary, Mm. the undercover documentary. And I also want to understand, and I was talking to my husband about it. And okay, I kind of do understand. But where David Carroll, it was deemed illegal for Facebook or Cambridge Analytica, whoever it was that had got that data, um, to not give him the data that they held on him. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And they preferred to be found guilty. That says a lot, doesn't it? Than give him his data. And it's like I said to, to my husband, well, like if it were us, you know, what data are they going to have? But it's, it, you know, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be of any significance but it would literally it's be... the mining though isn't it it's yeah. the sheer volume of it and what they can do with yeah. the sheer volume of it it'd be a can of worms wouldn't it yeah it's really interesting that they prefer to to just pay to whatever be found, yeah to be found guilty and pay up than just say there's your data and the fines now aren't, aren't small no for that sort of no. transgression at all no no so yeah really oh, if you haven't watched it um and if you're wondering why this is relevant to business oh my goodness this is so well, relevant. I suppose one one way it could be relevant is if you want to make a lot of money, get into data analytics. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> but but also be under no illusion that you know your competitors, even on a small scale, your competitors are doing this stuff. Yeah. Um, maybe not on the global Cambridge Analytica. Platform. We've talked about it before, though, haven't we? we? We've said how gathering data isn't just for the big boys. You can gather data. Yeah. Within the law, yeah. please do it within the law. And the guidelines are very clear. If you're not sure, go to the Information Commissioner's website. Uh, very clearly um, laid out what the law is around um, data privacy. But you can gather certain information within the law and you can use it in your business. It doesn't matter how small you are. You still have access to an awful lot of information yeah. on your yeah. customers and your potential customers. Yeah. Having the data is not the problem. It's how you use it and who you share it with and how you protect it. Well, actually, having the data is a bit of a problem. Yeah, because you need a legal reason to to actually, a legitimate reason to hold data, personal data on anybody. True. So having it, if you've got a very good reason Reason for it, it, or if you're using it for um, um, marketing purposes that you've got permission. Yeah. But yeah, that... If you research it and you use it within the law, then, you know, yeah, go make hay. You've got that data and go, go and do something good with it for your business. So that's not the big hustle. That is the big hack. <laughs> it's ava- currently available on Netflix and it's well, it was about two hours. It's well, well worth watching. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed that, Heather. And uh, I think we move on to our personal profile personal profile (laughs) (laughs) see too much time on facebook (laughs) no it's not that personal our profile of a personality and it was inspired by a conversation we had last week we were talking about robert glazer last week weren't we and he um did this podcast with derek sivers that i mentioned and so we thought let's do derek sivers and i'm so glad we did Yes. I'm really pleased with what what I've um, found out about Derek Sivers today. I was aware of him before anyway. I'd, I'd, I think, did he come up with the lone nut idea? And he's done a video on that. And 
I didn't know quite as much as I do now. He's a fascinating guy. Oh, he is. He's 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 quite prolific. Yes. In his work now. And varied. And varied. Yeah. Um. What, what what's what what would you call him? Uh, uh. Poly. What is it? Polymath. No. Yeah. Polymath. No, a multi-potentialite. That was it. Oh yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Multi-potentialite. That'll yes. do. Yeah. Because he's made all his money. Um. He reckoned that he says he's retired. Because he doesn't need to work for money now. Yeah, because and he made all his money with something called CD Baby. Yeah, which was an online CD store which he sold for mega bucks. Yeah, what a lovely position to be in. And uh, what what I have noticed is, even though he's retired, he's actually still a very creative. He's he's got output. He's not doing it for money. He's doing it because he likes creating things. Yeah. He likes making stuff. He likes doing stuff. And uh, he, he's quite, um, well, shall we, shall I just go with his biograph, his website? Yeah, so, yeah. Me in 10 Seconds. This is off his website. And I have to say, this is the best website I've seen in a long time. It is brilliant. And it's really bizarre because it's got no pictures. It's got nothing fancy. It's a white background with some black text on it. But it, I love it. It mm. is amazing. So on, on this first page, um, S-I-V-E, Civ, Dot .rs is the website, Siv Urs. Uh, me in 10 seconds. I've been a musician, producer, circus performer, entrepreneur, TED speaker and book publisher, monomaniac, introvert, slow thinker and love finding a different point of view. California native, now live in New Zealand. That's his short biog. How, how he thinks he's a slow thinker, I don't know, because when you hear him talk... The you know him being interviewed, his it feels like his brain and his mouth are going at a million miles an hour. So whether it's just that he's regurgitating stuff that he's spent a lot of time thinking about, I don't know. But uh, I thought that was quite surprising. But then you can go down to me in ten minutes, and it says go to my about page, and what am I doing now? Go to my now page. Oh yeah, I want one of these. Uh, and he does say on his now page. Everybody should have a now page. And now I've seen this. Yeah, everybody should have a now page. Would you like to know, um, dear listener, uh, what uh, Derek Sivers is doing right now? So I'm scrolling right the way down because it's it's one big website. So what he's doing right now is he's finishing How to Live, a book that's going to be published on, sorry, sent to the printer on the 15th of May. Don't expect much from me until then. That's all he's doing. All the writing's done. I'm now just chop, chop, chopping every unnecessary word and streamlining every sentence. He says it's the best. It's hard work, but it's by far the best thing he's ever done. He has an empty calendar. (laughs) There's nothing scheduled in, nothing at all. His one sole task is to finish the book with no other obligations. No phone calls, no meetups, no interviews or anything else until the book is done. And then he goes on to say he's selling his books. He can still buy his books. He's not selling them. His his friend's shipping them out. And he's permanently living in New Zealand. That's his only home for now. He's let go of Singapore and Oxford. And he's going to live in New Zealand until his kid is 18. Because he wants to bring him up in, uh, well, in that sort of environment, that sort of laid back environment. He was in Oxford um, for about a year, I think. Um, 
during well during the lockdown so he must have got out in that sort of yeah he moved to, um, to New Zealand in July last year um, but his now page it's even got a date stamp on it so you know how now it is and it's the 8th of April 2021 there we go but that, that's a brilliant idea what am I doing now right now uh, and he does say this is a now page and if you have your own site you should make one too and you know what he even provides guidance on how to do it on his website it's, and 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 that's the one thing so what I um what I did as part of my research and it's and on his website there are loads and loads of podcasts um but I just went to the podcast app searched for his name and there are just so many podcasts but they're not it's not his podcast although it is his podcast I guess um it's him being interviewed yeah and and that that's quite an interesting way of doing it you know maybe Maybe yeah, we should start a podcast where somebody comes and interviews us. <laughs> but he is inter- he is interviewed by some really good podcasters, isn't he? And it's open to us as well. He does say, if you want to interview me for your podcast, send me a list of questions. Sounds like if he likes the questions, he'll be interviewed by you. He's not doing public speaking anymore, so don't ask him to do that. No. Um, but yeah, it, the podcasts are laid out on his website. At first, I thought they were his podcasts mm. as well. But yeah, it, when I started listening to a couple, I thought, hang on a minute, no, that, he's not leading this. And I thought the only drawback might be that every time you listen to a podcast, is the interviewer asking him to explain to their listeners who he is. So I did think, oh, if I listen a few times, am I going to get the same story mm. as Derek Sivers introduces himself? But I listened to three, and I didn't feel like no. he was repeating himself at all. No, I didn't feel that. Um, the, the first one that I listened to, and something that resonated with me just in the first couple of minutes, was the, the guy said, why is it that you put your email address at, you know, at the end of all of your books? And he said, well you know why wouldn't I that's how people get in touch with me and he said well yeah well, most people put like you know their their um their agents details yes or, something, or whatever yeah. uh, or their twitter handle or facebook or whatever it might be and he said something really interesting he said he said if you think back to the days of myspace where bands were promoting themselves and putting their myspace link on everything that they produced you know find out more about our work etc he said myspace doesn't exist now so, what, what are all those people? How are these people going to find you now? Yeah, where's all that data gone? That yeah, put on exactly. There? And if they want, if they want to contact you, how can they find you? He said, "My email address. I control my email address. My website, my URL. I control that. Twitter could be out of business next year. Facebook could be out of business next year. Highly unlikely, obviously. But um, well, you never know. He, he describes himself it. as tech independent. Yeah. Yes. Which I, I thought, given what we've just talked about yeah. now, yeah. yes, it's actually very wise. He, he to the extent he he even controls his own servers. Yes. So he all is of, completely in control of yeah. his own, own email address. He doesn't know why we all keep stuff in the cloud because we're highly Google dependent. Yeah, it started to make me worry because I am so Google dependent. Yeah. My whole calendar, my whole life is in Google. And All the emails I've saved are in Google. Yeah, and he said, you know, you don't. They, Google don't store your data in the cloud because they like storing data in the cloud. You know, it's a not. really good point. You're not paying Google, are you? So what are they getting <laughs> out of it? Exactly. Well, I, I followed up on that um, contact me page because he's very open. He says, I don't respond to social media, so don't bother. Yeah. Um, 
if you want to get in touch with me, I will respond to emails. I do that. He sort of described it as a community service. He's, I think he said something like he's responded to 200,000 emails over a certain window. It blew my mind. The one thing he asks you to do before you send an email is to read the FAQs just to make sure he hasn't already answered them because having answered all of those emails in the past, the chances are he's already answered that question for somebody else. But if you get through those FAQs and you still want to contact him, then there's a good chance you'll get a reply. And I think that is quite impressive. He says he replies to every email. Uh, and what and he also gives in in one of the podcasts that I listen to, in fact, I was thinking maybe we should send him an email. He talks about what to put in the email. So don't ask twenty questions. Be very ask yeah. a question, but 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 give me some context. Introduce who you are. Give me a reason to give a damn kind of thing. Hmm. Um, and I thought, you oh, know, I wonder if we could, you know, just... He said, make me laugh. Tell me tell me where you are. Tell You know, that you're sitting by a pool, you know, in Mauritius, dipping your toes in the water, and you've just read one of my books and you want to make contact. Or he's, he said, Get, you know, and he says to do that if you're doing... The podcast was about cold email. Yeah. So when you're targeting people. So... You know, think about what you're saying. Don't say too much, but also don't be too um, succinct. Yeah. People, give people a reason to, to care. Yeah, he, he wants to put you in context. Yes. To yeah. understand you yeah. and what your yeah. question is. Yeah. Uh, I would certainly don't ask him to introduce you to any famous people because he won't do won't that. Do that. Nope. Um, although he does say, um, rather generously, if his friends ask him if they know someone who's doing something that you're doing... He's not averse to putting you in touch, but they've got to ask him. And he's got to remember. Yeah, good point. (laughs) And also, um, he very generously says you can use anything on his website. If If he puts it on his website, then you can use it for free forever. And there is a lot of stuff on there. There's articles, there's the podcasts, you can use them all. Um, No doubt a a mention would be good, you know, Mm. give your source material. But... Go and take a look. He's so generous mm. with his um, material, his advice, and just for me, it's the generosity of sharing his thinking. Mm. It's not even specific advice or specific things that he says. It's the fact that he, he can, you know, he's really thought that through. He's thought of a good con- a reason for what he's saying. But in the podcasts, I mentioned it last week with with Robert Glazer. He's got a very good reason why, for example, you would say no to things, but also he's thought through the reasons why you wouldn't say no to things as well. So he's not just glibly putting out this, oh, this is a great idea, I'm going to write a book on how to say no, and then that's my thing forever. He he develops them further. And he does it because he's interested. That's the lovely, refreshing thing. The guy's just interested in learning stuff and creating stuff and, and, and developing himself in his own way. He's got his own particular style. He's not doing it with any particular agenda. It's very refreshing. It is. And, you know, okay. Um, you know, some people might say that, well, it's easy, isn't it, when you've got loads of money, uh, you know, and you don't need to earn money. But I think he's sort of suggesting that if you can find this place within yourself without getting too woo-woo about it, then 
you'll 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 find your path you'll find your route there was one thing that he was talking about today about um you know if you come to a, a, a cross in the road and you can spend ages thinking do we go left or right um the worst thing to do is to go neither to do neither if you go left you can you can probably find your way back round if only to find out that left was the wrong way yes. you just come back but and just go keep right. going yeah do something uh and yeah and uh, the anecdotes and the snippets from books that he's read books that he's written things that he's seen people he's encountered they are the things that because he's given them to you in that context you can use them in conversation you know he, he told you know an interesting story about x and there will be a times times when you can quote that um yeah brilliant i'm so so glad when you when you sort of suggested, I was like, oh, God, you know, it's not the sexiest name in the world, is it? <laughs> and I was thinking, well, okay. Is that what you're going to lead the email with? <laughs> so, <laughs> in our podcast, Heather yeah. wasn't sure because you didn't have a sexy name. <laughs> but I also wanted to come back to this generosity of sharing a sense of who you are. We talked a couple of weeks about ago about um, profiling people, and it's just the... Um, the PR image that's yeah. out there. You don't get a yes. sense of the person. I feel like he shared everything about himself. In his About Me page, I, I've only highlighted a few things. For in, in fact, the titles of each of the paragraphs. But he goes into lots of detail to explain this. So I'm ambitiously focused on creating. And there's about eight paragraphs explaining what that means. A couple of big paragraphs on his life philosophy the fact that he doesn't work for money, that he loves to work alone 12 hours a day. That's not for everybody, is it? Um, but because he says he's writing, learning, improving and creating, it's it's not being a workaholic because it's play. It's not work. And what a wonderful approach to life that is. Play for 12 hours. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, he's American. He says he didn't realise until he left America how American he was. Um, he's an expat world citizen. Um, he prefers talking on the phone to meeting in person. Uh, he's a minimalist. He hates waste. He, he says here he's only got one pair of pants, two plates, and his computer is a seven-year-old clunky laptop. I think he means trousers, one pair yeah, of yeah. trousers. Trousers, yeah. Not, not knickers. Okay. No. <laughs> No. Yeah, no, I, I did mean the pants and the yeah. trousers. Yeah, yeah, yes. it's just check it because, you know, that, that can put you off something. <laughs> Moving swiftly on, in this page he mentions he's tech independent, which we've already talked about. And he's he's big into encouraging people to get tech savvy, you know, and there's a, an article about how to code and what sort of things to focus on if you're going to do some coding. Um he says this this one, he gets a lot of shit for this. He says he's not that into family. But he's honest about it. He says he doesn't hate his family. But he doesn't love his family. He's, they're fine. He's just never felt that close to them. So, um, he makes friends easily and so he's, he's happy with um, friendships. Um, and also later on he says that most of his friends are women as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's 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 upfront about his sexuality that he dates women. Um He likes women, he, he likes says. women, yeah. Um do you know one thing that he that is very clear about him is that he actually does know about coding. 
you know, he, he, you know, he's got a lot of knowledge around coding. And he was talking uh, on one of the podcasts, and he was saying that um, he somebody had um, somebody had made some statement about code, and he'd written a blog post about it and just put it up on his site and didn't really think any more of it. And he woke up the next morning. And like the whole world had leapt on this thing that he'd said, you know, the whole of social media, and they were slagging him off. His code's rubbish. He doesn't know what he's talking about. This, 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 and that. And and it really upset him. And then in time, he he thought, hang on a minute, these people don't know me. So all they're talking about is my opinion of something, you know, something that I've written down. That's all that they know. They don't know anything about me as a person. So... With that mindset, he was able to not take it personally or change change his mindset think, so that he didn't take it personally. I think that applies to everybody on social media, doesn't yeah. it? They don't know you. And and we have to remember that. Um, but we also have to remember that we don't know them. So yeah. don't chuck stones, I guess. Absolutely. But hugely successful, a really varied career, Um and just fascinating that you could you could spend hours. You could days. spend hours just reading his website, yeah. couldn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a good one. I would recommend it. Go and take a look, if only to surprise yourself with what you can do with just text on a white page. Yeah. Because, like I said before, it's one of the best websites I've seen in a long time. Yeah. And normally we're, we're praising about how colourful it is and how nicely laid out it is. But this, I, I don't know whether it's genius content or whether it was just so different that I lo- absolutely loved it. Maybe it's he does say about his writing that he writes, 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 and, th- and then goes back and basically just cuts out as much as he possibly can. So whether it's that he's very good at making every word count and that's what draws us in, I don't know. But Or maybe it's just his honesty. But it's certainly there on the on the page. Well... I think this is where we, we finish the show by saying we're just off to write an email to Derek Sivers. <laughs> we'll keep you posted. That's all we've got time for this week on the business community. If you've enjoyed listening to this week's podcast, you can find out about all the things that we've talked about over the years at our website, which is thebusiness.community. We do hope you'll join us again next week for more news, views and reviews from the world of business. Mm-hmm.